Hey folks, welcome to the latest edition of the Digital CXO Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bizarre. Today we're with Mike Rothman, who is General Manager for TechStrong Research. We're going to be talking about security and digital transformation and how these things may be coming together. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I guess there won't be any confusion as to who, who should be here, right? It's both Mike's, so we're good. There you go. I, I think you have a much more distinct, harder New York accent that people will pick up on, for sure. All right. Here's the question of the day. We've been hearing people talk about how the attitude of cybersecurity folks is changing in this digital transformation era because they are aware that they need to enable things and not just be Dr. No in the office of no and resulting in people kind of figuring out a way to do an end run around them. And that all sounds lovely, but is it true? Do you think that the security folks have a little more empathy for the whole process now? Or is it just kind of, you know, we want them to be this way, but maybe they're just too hard conditioned to participate in them from their perspective, everything's a threat. Well, I, I think the reality is everything is a threat. So, you, you know, we, we need to kind of keep it in context from the standpoint that just because folks are, let's say, hyper aware of some of the issues that, you know, it may be perceived to not be as supportive as, uh, you know, they may be as part of the digital transformation efforts. The reality is a lot of the, the fears are well-founded. Right. So what we need to do is really think about it. And especially from a security standpoint is how can we go through those diligence efforts to track down what are real risks that we have to worry about? What are situations where uh, we really would impact, you know, kind of the success of the digital transformation and or potentially put some of our data at risk? Uh, and and work with the teams so that it's, you know, kind of a productive effort as opposed to, again, positioning it as, no, we can't do that. It's always a matter of yes, but, but really providing the context around what the potential issues are that, uh, you know, could potentially, again, threaten corporate data or uh, any of those, uh, you know, new initiatives that the digital transformation is is starting to, to, to contemplate. Now, most business executives are trained to manage risk, right? If you go to business school, that's basically what they tell you for the next four years is, you know, every decision has some level of risk and you need to evaluate it. So who makes the decision about what the level of risk really is? Is it the business side or is it the security side? And are the security people conscious enough of the risk versus reward equation to make that decision? Or, you know, as one guy once joked, he said, you know, if my security people had been around at the time of the invention of the phone, they would have told me not to use it because there might be some leak in information. And and I suspect there was a number of, of uh, you know, leaked conversations you know, back in the day of the uh, the shared party lines and the like. So again, those fears may not have been, uh, you know, so unfounded from from that perspective. But uh, to to your to your point, Mike, uh, the, the the security folks are never going to be in a position to you know give the thumbs up or give the thumbs down to a business initiative, right? The business folks have to own that risk. The responsibility of the security team and the security professionals is to surface that risk, communicate that risk, help folks understand uh, really the, the tangible aspects of that risk, start to present some alternatives to either defer or transfer that risk, but ultimately 
whether the company accepts that risk or not is is really something that the business has to decide and ultimately the, that the business has to own. But, you know, in, in the real world, it, it does tend to be a little bit more of a gray area uh, in terms of who is ultimately responsible if and when something goes south. But I've never been of the opinion that uh, security folks should be making decisions along those lines. But they do have to, you know, educate and inform the business as to, you know, what they're doing and what the potential downsides are. Right. That all said, do you think that we're going to see some major spike in attacks and a lot of compromises of these digital transformation projects? Because a lot of them were launched immediately after COVID, and it was kind of a, a rush in the sense that people were freaking out about the business is going to get destroyed. We need to go digital. We need to accelerate all these programs. And I wonder, you know, a year later and maybe a year or two from now, there's going to be a lot of more... Uh, breaches of these highly sensitive mission critical applications that we're not anticipating today because we did rush so many of them. Um, I, I don't know if it, if one, if it's restricted to just business transformation efforts, right? I mean, I think that a lot of applications were, you know, kind of rolled out maybe without the proper forethought or diligence um, in order to make sure that, uh, you know, that they were protected from that standpoint. I also think that there was a significant cloud migration that happened at the same time um, in terms of replatforming a number of different applications. And again, they may not necessarily have been related to uh, business transformation, may have just been, you know, kind of a generational upgrade to, uh, you know, some of those applications that didn't have the proper diligence and, and protection there. So do I think there'll be more attacks? I, I do. <laughs> if there's one thing we can count on, it said there'll be more attacks tomorrow than than there are today. Um, you, you know, are business transformation efforts more uh, or digital transformation efforts more at risk? Um, maybe. I, I mean, you, you know, I mean, I, th I think that that any application initiative that doesn't undergo the proper threat modeling um, and and kind of security uh, treatment uh, as it you know is prepared to to be moved into whatever platform it, it's going to do is is going to be at risk. Uh, right. So I, I yeah, I just kind of bulk you know group them all up into yes, we have increased risk. Yes, I think the pandemic did uh, rush a number of things and we didn't do as much diligence as we probably needed to, but I'm not sure it's any different than it's been for the past 20 years, right? We rush stuff. We do things. Security isn't in the game. Uh, stuff happens. You, you know, we try to adapt and, and protect it by bolting on technology. I, I think if anything, this longer term evolution to cloud native and DevOps and the ability to start building security into, you know, both the architectural the development and, and the operational motions will be a net positive from uh, an application security posture. Um, but, you know, any, anything that's rushed is, is certainly going to, you know, have an increased risk profile for sure. I think you bring up an excellent point. A lot of this traces back to uh, our insecurity around application security, as it were. And I guess my question is, is what to do about it? Because when I talk to a lot of security teams, and maybe you see something different, but they've always been focused on network security, security operations, and the things that they own in a budget. And it feels like to me, they always thought application security belonged to the developers. And so they didn't put as much budget for that. And the developers always thought that the security people somehow or other was managing this. And the end result is nobody managed it. 
Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I think we've had inconsistent incentives on both sides that have, uh, you know, really contributed to this problem, right? Developers are not incented to ship secure code, right? They're incented to ship code on time. Maybe there's an unspoken expectation that it'll be secure, but again, you know, being able to specify that uh, and and quantify that and, and ensure that you know those uh, objectives are are uh, adhered to and and achieved, um, it, it just hasn't happened, right? And 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 you get to a point where the security folks don't really have visibility or hadn't had visibility into that environment. Again, I think that DevOps, you know, does assist or help. Uh, in providing some more visibility and integrating testing into earlier stages uh, of the uh, the development process. So again, I think that's a net positive. But the, the incentives have have certainly not been aligned, and I think that's been you know the biggest problem that we've had is you know it, it, even if it's the, the the pointing fingers thing, right? You know, no, you're responsible. I'm responsible. You're responsible. Um, nobody at the top has basically said we're all responsible and we've got to ship secure code. So it has been something that's been you know neglected. I, I, again, I do think that that we're moving in the right direction, and not just with DevOps. We start to see a lot of organizations rolling out security champions programs, so they're in effect working with developers not security folks within development teams, right? Actual developers that are being trained in the, uh, you know, kind of arts of, of security. Uh, they're there as local resources to the development teams to make sure they understand the issues and, and, and the controls that need to be put in place. So I, I do think we're making progress. It feels slow um, because, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to secure applications at scale. Uh, but, you know, overall, if we compare where we are today to where we were, you know, three, four years ago, I, I do think we're moving in the right direction. Are we allotting enough time and reasonable expectations for achieving that goal? And I ask the question because many organizations, somebody comes down and they give the good sermon on DevSecOps and everybody nods their head and then they go back to their respective offices and cubicles and they discover they have no tools for implementing any of that. So then they roughly forget about the sermon about 20 minutes after it was given. And the issue becomes, well, we have all these developers. Can we train them on cybersecurity in a meaningful way? Because frankly, there's thousands of them and they will all have different levels of skills, so there's always going to be mistakes made, but we don't have enough cybersecurity professionals to stick in the DevOps processes to help them secure all this stuff. So how do we solve this issue? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with setting a set of very clear criteria for when deploys and builds will fail because of security issues. If you have organizations that are able to sweep it under the rug, right, keep doing their thing, shipping insecure code, um, you're not really going to change the behavior. Now, security folks do have to do their part, right, which is to, you know, normalize and, and groom a lot of the issues that do come out of, you know, kind of the testing that happened in the pipeline. They have to have realistic expectations about, you know, what uh, really should fail a build and what, you know, kind of creates unacceptable risk 
to the organization. Uh, we have to be realistic about that. We have to communicate and be accessible to the developers to help them work through the issues, you know, especially when their builds do fail. But if there are no consequences to doing um, and shipping insecure code, then shockingly enough, we're going to continue to ship insecure code. And, and you know, again, we're, we're talking a little bit about, you know, kind of the chicken or the egg here, right? If we don't have enough people, in order to, you know, kind of enforce the processes and help the developers, yet we're going to start inflicting these consequences on developers, uh, you know, does this create, you know, a, a significant, you know, kind of negative uh, flywheel effect uh, on that front and and possibly, right, which is why I keep talking about, you know, kind of having to have the, the incentives correct, why we have to be realistic about uh, you know, what should fail a build, but the idea that, you know, kind of developers, uh, can pretty much do what they want and then, you know, never have anything, you know, kind of kicked out and, and just to ship insecure code. Um, I, I, I just, I think if that's acceptable in your organization, you're, you're never really going to make progress. As part of that conversation, is security going to be a set of distinct motions within the application development process or is it really just a subset of the quality assurance process and we just need to take our existing QA process and kind of extend it a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's both, Mike, and that that's not really a cop-out answer there. I, I think that we we have to address and integrate security deeper into the development process. We can't take a, a, a pass on that one because as things get architected, as things get built, if, if we're not really looking at it from the standpoint of, uh, you know, assessing security until it gets to the test phase, going back and fixing, especially something that turns out to be a significant issue that would potentially re require re-architecture, that's an unacceptable cost and an un unacceptable uh, delay in terms of, of shipping things. So, so we can't punt on um, you, you know, integrating security into the development side. I, I also think we have to have, you know, better and more educated testers that uh, can infer and, and determine what is a logic flaw, right? What is, you know, just a, a fairly simple testing thing. Uh, because the, the reality is automated tests in the development process are really going to catch a certain category uh, and class of attack. Um, there are a lot of other ones that really have to be addressed uh, as part of a, a QA process that really looks at the functionality of the application and looks at, you know, how it can be uh, misused, um, again, not necessarily in a technical way, but, you know, based upon the business logic there. Uh, so I, I think we have to bolster it in both ends. But uh, to me, prioritizing, you know, kind of the development side in the short term, uh, just because, you know, that's been something that has been neglected for for. Uh, ever pretty much of course the developers will say that's going to result in the rate at which applications are built and deployed slowing down and many of them would argue that that's unacceptable so therefore we're not going to do that can we build safer applications faster or are we kind of having a ralph nader moment here where all these digital business processes are basically unsafe at any speed well, you know, I, I, I listen. I'm not going to sit here and say we can have our cake and eat it too, like tomorrow, and 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 we'll all get around the campfire and and sing kumbaya, right? I mean, it's 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 a process, and and we we need to be dedicated to that process. And the reality is, the developers are going to push back uh, because it it may you know put some of their delivery 
timeframes uh, at risk and and add uh, some significant uh, you know potential delays in in their uh, process and, and in their environment, uh, which is why if you don't have senior level support for these initiatives, it's going to be very difficult to ultimately achieve them successfully. So somebody has to weigh in, right? And somebody, you know, sitting in some corner office somewhere uh, is going to have to say, no, no, we are going to ship secure code. uh, And what we have to do is figure out a way to do that faster and more reliably and really force the issue of collaboration and force the issue of uh, integrating, you know, better tooling and force the issue of, you know, kind of doing more effective threat modeling up front to address a number of these potential issues earlier on in the process uh, and, and really kind of push down that mandate culturally. Right. And, and again, these are all cultural shifts. And, and if the culture doesn't support making the shift, shockingly enough, it, it, it doesn't happen as effectively as uh, you would like to see. So, so I think that, you know, the, the answer is, I, I mean, listen, everything is unsafe at every speed, right? I mean, that's just the way it's always been. I don't think that's going to change. So Ralph Nader, you know, is, is, is still alive and well. I'm not even sure. Is he still alive and well? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on that, but um, his concepts certainly are uh, from that perspective. But I do think that, you know, kind of we have to have senior level support, um, a mandate that we're going to work together and make this happen. Uh, and then, you know, kind of being able to navigate that cultural evolution um, in a collaborative fashion. And, and that gives us a chance. Right. That gives us a chance. And I think, you know, back to the to the first point we tried to make, uh, which is a lot of these initiatives happen pretty quickly. Um, and I think that you can achieve that type of speed and that type of velocity uh, of, of shipping code. But it has to be a truly integrated, collaborative process. Uh, and that's where a lot of initiatives fall down right now. So what is your best advice to digital CXOs? You kind of sit above these security and development teams in terms of how can they maybe be helpful, coach, or put this all together? I mean, do I just throw everybody in a room and lock the door and see who comes out at the end of the day? Or is there an intelligent way of going about doing this? Yeah, it, it's it's not Thunderdome, right? Yeah, you know, we 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 can't play Thunderdome with our developer, the my our development leaders and and our security folks. Um, they have to lead, right? They're called digital CXO leaders for a reason, uh, and they have to lead, right? They have to set the expectation. They have to, you know, ensure that the incentives are aligned uh, to, you know, make sure this collaborate collaboration happens they have to mediate the battles and again i don't want to do that i have other stuff i have to do right you know you hear all sorts of excuses as to you know why leaders choose not to lead but ultimately you you know if you've got a dysfunctional environment and your developers just can't get on the same page with the security folks that's a leadership problem right so i would basically say to the digital cxo leaders there is if your folks are are throwing you know kind of uh, fecal matter at each other um in these meetings you've got to lead right you've got to lead and you've got to make sure that uh you know everybody understands why this is in the best interest of the organization uh and and that you're going to align the incentives to make sure that everybody plays ball do you think we'll see digital CXOs getting fired because of application security issues that weren't addressed? Um, they'll, they'll get fired after the, the CISO goes. So the CISO goes first, right? The VP of development goes next. 
And then if it's still, you know, kind of a total fail, then you'll have the, the digital CXO leaders uh, go because, uh, you, you know, I mean, I don't need to tell the three envelope story, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> the digital CXO leaders have three envelopes like everybody else, uh, right? You know, first step is fire CISO, right? Second step is fire the VP of development, you know, and then and then the third step is, you know, write three letters. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, I mean, I, I think that the reality is that the senior person isn't going to be the first one to take the hit. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think you can be successful in these initiatives if you are accepting undue risk on the part of the organization. So you're going to have to fix it, right? And and that gets back to uh, again leadership. And 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 I think that uh, that is certainly an, an underappreciated skill nowadays. Uh, but it makes a difference. And 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 we've seen environments that that do work well. They do ship secure code. They do it with high velocity and and, and high quality. Um, and they do it because they work together because, you know, kind of they've uh, they've aligned uh, the, the requirements, they've aligned the incentives. Uh, and everybody understands that we're on the same team. We're trying to, you know, just make it better and make the experience better for customers. And, you, you know, the, the more you resist, it's kind of like a Zen thing, right? You, you, you know, <laughs> you, 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 everybody is going to have pain, but, but suffering is a choice, right? And I think that a lot of folks choose to suffer and, and they don't need to. All right, folks, you heard it here first. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of proverbial digital business transformation cure later on. Hey, Mike, thanks for being on the show. You bet. It's great. Great to chat, Mike. Looking forward to the next one. All right, folks, you can find this podcast and all our other videos on the Digital CXO website. We invite you to check them all out. Until then, see you next time.